Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And this is what is going to be, I don't think it's going to be a mini episode. It might not be a full episode. It's going to be a, mm. a midi. A midi. Do you know what a midi is? Like the midi files? Well, yes, midi files. But in Australia, a midi. Midriff. Midriff also. A midi is a type of beer. Oh. So you can go get beer. So different states have different types uh, okay. of beers, like yeah. pots and schooners. Okay. This is a midi. Or also sometimes referred to for a mid-strength beer. Ah, so Which it's is, okay. So it's not, it's not the amount of beer. It's the it strength. could be both. Ah. so you can get a midi, which is a medium jar, of, not jar, or a medium glass of beer, or you can get a midi, which is a mid-strength beer, or what you Americans call full-strength beer. Fuck you. <laughs> so what I want to do with this episode is uh, about a week or so ago, for me, but who knows when you'll listen to this. I went out and did a couple of segments of the Oxfam course. Yes. Which, Daryl, Simon, Anthula, and Omar, yep. who are doing the Oxfam Challenge uh, in April. Yeah, so what, what, is, what is the Oxfam Challenge? So the Oxfam Challenge is a 100-kilometer event that occurs in different parts of Australia. I think every major capital city has one, yep. where you start off uh, at a certain time and you walk for 100 kilometers, mm. or you run for 100 kilometers, or basically you try and complete 100 kilometers. And is it competitive? or? It is competitive, so different teams try and do it in super fast times. Yep. Obviously, Oxfam, it's to raise money and awareness for the charities that Oxfam pull together to look after people in disadvantaged countries and yep. support them and so forth. And so there is a charity element to it. So each team of four people needs to raise $1,600, I think it is, okay. as a minimum. So they have to pay an entry fee sure. to get into the race itself, and then they need to raise that amount of money. If they don't raise that amount of money, they actually don't get to enter the race. Oh, wow. Okay. So fundraising is a big part so of it. So we'll put the link to uh, these guys' particular charity in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, that'd be great if you yeah. were able to support the team. Um, I'm not sure what they're calling. We've just been calling them the Oxfam Crazies. Um, so we'll work out what their team is now. Um, oh, no, okay, we're going to come up with their team name now? We could do that. And we're going to surprise them with it? Brought to them by breaking the barrier. Bitchin'. Yeah, done. I like it. <laughs> so the way Oxfam works is that you head off in a team of four, and it's divided into eight stages. And at the end of each stage, there's a checkpoint that you need to check into and check out of. And that's to make sure that you obviously walk the course and you don't suddenly go off and you know take a shortcut or mm. cut all the way straight to the finish line. No race cheating. Exactly. And some of the check-ins and check-outs are a little bit more substantial for some of the slower teams. So if they want to stop, make a meal, some teams even stop and sleep for a few hours okay. and stay overnight. The quickest teams will just literally run the 100 kilometers. Mm. They will throw a whole bunch of stuff on and they will run it in somewhere between 10 and 12 hours. Wow. Uh, the faster walking teams will do it in between 13 to 15 hours with a few more stops and so forth. Uh, a lot of teams, though, will take well over 24 hours and okay. might actually be out there for you know two full nights, depending on how they go. Okay. So depending on your different abilities, uh, different time frames, but anyone can do it. You mm. see all people of all different abilities out there having a crack at it. When we were out there uh, on that particular weekend, we parked at a town called Alinda. So oh, yeah. we decided to do stages four, five, and six of the course. We parked at Alinda at this little footy oval, which is where the, the checkpoint is going to be on the actual day. And by the time we came back, the footy oval car park was full of just teams going out there practicing the Oxfam course. Yeah, wow. Uh, so, you know, and, and all different shapes and sizes. We started off, we went past uh, a bunch of people who we were heaps faster than. We had a whole bunch of people go past us. Yep. At one point, we were many kilometers in, and this guy just came running past us looking like he'd just started. Wow. So 
if you are, if it is sound like something you'd be interested in, uh, I'd say it's definitely achievable. It's just it's going to take a long time. Yeah. But great sense of achievement if you can do it. But but I got out there with the guys, and I just wanted to do a I guess a couple of quick lessons. Oh, a lessons episode. A we lessons episode. We haven't done a lessons episode in a long time. Yeah. So some things that I observed on the you know, during the training run sure. with the folks. Because you're you're not actually doing the run I'm Oxfam run with not, them. No. But you're training with them. Well, I've trained this one time with them. So yeah. I entered to do it with them and then I negotiated poorly uh, my holiday plans, which means I'm going away on holidays a couple of days before the actual Oxfam starts. Yeah. But I've been training with Daryl and Thula to help them get their mileage up during yeah. the week. And this was the first time I got a chance to go out with all four of them okay. and kind of participate slash observe them mm. in the natural element and yeah. get a bit of an insight for what the dynamic is and what happens on the day. Okay, interesting. All right, well, let's dive right in. So the first lesson I would say is that unlike in a solo event, in a team, you need to be generous. Okay. And so the way and the evidence I saw of that from the guys was we, Daryl, picked everyone up at mm. five o'clock in the morning and we drove across to Alinda and we were standing there at the car and we were getting ready and Daryl pulled out and presented to each of his teammates a walking stick. He had noticed over the last couple of times that they had randomly picked up sticks yeah. from the forest and then used them on the course of the hike. Uh, and so he had decided that, that was something that the, they valued, obviously. And so he had gone out and he had bought them proper hiking sticks, hiking poles, cool. extendable hiking poles that he presented to each of them so that they had that for their walk. And he's that's actually going to also get them engraved. Oh, that's really So that amazing. they got it as a memento or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's great. And I think when you're in a team like that, you do naturally start to think about more than yourself and yeah. start thinking about other people. I know my first time going out with the guys, I brought a whole bunch of protein bars and stuff. Mm. I was like, hey... I, you know, I've got this stuff that I don't need. I'll bring it along. You guys check it out. Don't worry about bringing fuel this time. I'll bring this along. You guys check it out. If you like it, you can take it on the day and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's a really key thing is that if you are going to join a team event, be part of the team yeah. and be generous and you know be unselfish and, and put yourself out there and do something. Because those guys, when Daryl sort of presented them with their walking sticks, that was amazing. Yeah. They were like, oh, wow, I can't believe you thought of that. Yeah, well, that can change the whole... like Because, you know, we've all been on those training runs that we just don't want to be on. But when somebody goes above and beyond and does yeah. something for that, that can really just change your whole outlook and mentality. That's, that's awesome. That's it a great was idea. It was and it also meant that for the first five kilometers of the walk, they didn't spend a whole bunch of time looking for sticks in the jungle. Fair enough. Talking to Daryl, it seemed like on previous events, they'd been like dogs running off into the forest to try and find sticks and then come back. <laughs> that's how people get lost. Walk along with the stick. Oh, that's not a good stick. I'm going to get another new stick yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. So now they've got the, the technology that they need. <laughs> Fair enough. That's great. The second thing I learned was if things go wrong, have a backup plan. Okay. Which was evidence straight away when Omar broke the stick that Daryl had just given him. Are you kidding? No. Within 30 seconds... Omar. ...that Omar turned around and presented to Daryl the fact that the sticky bit of the stick that should be inside the stick was now outside the stick. Aha. Uh -huh. At which point Daryl turned around and pulled out another walking stick because he realized that this was probably going to happen and so he bought a spare one nice just in case good way to go daryl i actually suspect that it was daryl's stick and that daryl mm. gave that to selfishly. omar and mm. selfishly then proceeded to do the rest of the event with no stick but things are going to go wrong yeah and that's going to happen if you're an event with team members or if you're an event by yourself mm. nothing goes right on race day no plan for the worst hope for the best 
If you can, have a backup plan. That's it. If you're going to an event, take a spare pair of shoes. Take spare shirts. Take spare shorts. Take backup fuel. Mm. Leave half an hour earlier. Yeah. Work out where the porta potties are on course. Like, have a backup plan is a key thing for an event. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, especially with that leaving a half hour early thing. Especially if you're parking at the event, you want to get there early. Yeah. Have you ever been burnt on an event where you've sort of gone in and had to use a backup plan or something? Or Oh, yeah. I hit traffic on my way to I mean, the Brimbank Ultra once at 4 o'clock in the morning that put me into a panic like you wouldn't believe. And I was so glad I'd left that half an hour early to give myself enough time. Yeah. And sometimes turn up and realize that you've forgotten fuel, things like that. Yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The third thing uh, that I learned from the event was... If things go wrong, you need to accept and move on. So if things go wrong and you've got a backup plan, that's great. But if things go wrong and you don't have a backup plan, you need to accept that and move on. Acceptance. We haven't used that word in a long time on the podcast, but yeah. that is a big, big part of it. Because what happens if you don't accept it? You start you know, just spending unnecessary time on it, getting more and more frustrated, more pissed off. Mm. Whereas if you just accept it, it's like, you know, if you're sitting in traffic or something... Yep. Like, I'm, I'm actually very proud of myself. I don't get pissed off in traffic anymore. Because really? I'm just like, you know what? This traffic is going to be here whether I'm pissed off or not. Yep. You just accept it and let it be. Yep. So we had to accept it on the training run mm. where a decision was made that Simon was going to be in charge of the map. And so Simon was going to be accountable for navigating us through the first stage. Good idea, bad idea. Simon might have got us lost. Oh, good. Uh, which we picked up about a K and a half into the off-track bit where we had to then turn around. The good news was... The bit that we were lost for, we ran. Oh, good. So we got lost really quickly. Okay. Uh, and then once we realized we were lost, um, we were looking for a turnoff that was apparently a very hard-to-find turnoff, which turned out to be a massive sign. But we had just approached it from an angle, which meant the sign was effectively invisible. So we went left when we were meant to go right. Uh, and then once we went left, we started running. That old chestnut. Yeah. yeah. But we figured that out. And, you know, Simon got us lost. And we all sort of turned around and went, you know what that means? Bonus Ks. Nice. This is a training run yeah. for a 100-kilometer event. We were going to do 35. We're now going to do 38. Yeah. That's only going to help us on the day. Accept it. See the positive in it. Yeah. Bonus K equals yay. Let's oh, do I it. like that. Bonus K equals yay. Oh, there you go again yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, you know, and imagine that would have made Simon feel a lot better. Because if I'm Simon, uh, I would have been feeling pretty bad that I got everybody lost. Simon being Simon felt bad about it and didn't believe us, I think, at the start when we were seeing you were good things about it. And oh, then, uh. Yeah, he thought we were joking when we said that we were t- seeing the positive in it. Yeah. And then I think after a while, he realized that we were actually seeing the positive in it. Mm. And then we bumped into other people who were talking to us, how are you going? At which point we pointed out repeatedly that Simon had gotten us lost. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. We don't, you don't want him to forget. No, so it's that team bonding yeah, as well. You don't bonding. want it to happen again. No, and he learned his lesson. Indeed. He'd never touched the map again. <laughs> I was say, was that his lesson? He'll that never was, start now. And we all started following Omar's GPS. So the Oxfam guys give you this book and they give you all these instructions and everything. And at one point, Daryl was like, this means nothing. And Omar <laughs> was just sitting at the back with his GPS going... Siri says turn left. Fair Let's enough. Let's go left. Thank you, Siri. Can you use the GPS on Oxfam? You can, yeah. They've mapped out the whole Oxfam course. Okay. And again, there were so many people doing the training run on the day yeah. that we were bumping into other people. And so it's talk. not like you would have been lost for... You would have seen somebody. Exactly. Yeah. There was one annoying bit on the run, though, where you come to a bit and we started to go right. And then it's like, no, 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 you have to go left. And we went left. And left proceeded to put us on a loop that took us back exactly to where we would have gone right. 
And so it was literally just adding a kilometer on to and get the. Does that on purpose? Does that on purpose? What a dick To move. make you get the hundred kilometers. I'm like, surely there would be somewhere else we could have done that yeah. other than literally needing to do this little loopy bit here. But yeah, but it was all kilometers that we needed to do on the day. Yeah, fair so enough. positive there as well. The fourth thing I observed during the walk with the guys was you need to compromise in a team event to help each other. Mm. But then you need to compromise on the compromise if it isn't working anymore. Yeah, okay. And I think that it was really funny because we were going out to do stages four to six, which was 35 kilometers. But the gradient compared to what the team had done before was downhill. Yeah. They'd done some really serious uphill bits beforehand. This was downhill. Mm. And so the assumption made was, oh, well, yeah, we'll run a lot more of this because it's downhill. Yeah. On Oxfam, there is no bits that are purely downhill. Yeah. Lot every time we went around a corner, we were surprised by an uphill bit. It just seemed like there was, you would have sworn it was an uphill stage we were doing at the end of it, but it was actually like you know ninety percent downhill. Really? That's just how short and sharp some of these uphill bits can absolutely be. Wow! And so we all kind of came into the event going, oh well, we've done thirty-five k training runs before. If this is downhill, we'll run it. We might have to walk when it's not safe to run, mm. but the rest of the time we'll be running that was not the case it was absolutely i think in the middle bit we were doing walk 500 run 500 walk 500 run 500 but after a while it got to the point where as a team we were not all able to keep running which was tough because some of us wanted to run some of us had done less k's Mm. during the week and so we were fresher others had done a lot of k's during the week and so we were quite tired some of us just weren't dealing on the day it was Mm. quite hot on the day and so it got towards the end where people who had been getting the ability to run beforehand weren't able to run and people who had been running beforehand were feeling bad because they weren't able to run and i'll be honest there was a little bit there in the middle where i was like oh geez this feels a little bit awkward and then we just moved on yeah like i think it was one of those things where as a team not and listen depending on how your team is structured sometimes you might want to verbalize it and say it other times you might naturally just come to an equilibrium and i think with these guys because this was their fourth or so time being out there as a team they'd started to learn each other's patterns a little bit it was really interesting to me how quickly i think me being there was actually disruptive because it was like here's a fifth element like in a bad way or oh just in in a different here's a new element okay yeah like you know before it had been the four of them figuring it out and now here's zach and so it's like I'm observing the experiment, but by simply being there to observe the experiment, I'm influencing the experiment yeah. because people are talking to me when normally they would have spoken to each, each other. other. Yeah, right. But even still, I was able to sort of see them come to a realization of, okay, this is where we're at. We're 30Ks in. We should have 5Ks to go, but thanks to Simon, we've got eight. Um, how are we going to and get... There's th- that again. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. Yeah, right. How are we going to get through this right Let's figure this out and just come to it. And it was really good to see. And it was a it was an interesting dynamic because, yeah, it felt like it was getting a little bit wobbly there at a point, but yep. they settled it down, which is what they're going to need to do for a 100K event. Yeah. And I, I imagine that's something similar that you see in Spartans as well, when you've got people in the Spartan who are at different levels. And in the group events, it's like, well, we need to all encourage it. So sometimes you're walking when you think you could run and vice versa. Yeah, that's it. And that's, that's a big part of um, running with a team is that, yeah, there's, there's just people of different abilities. And... Uh, you know, especially like, you know, I've spoken about it before. Andy and I get into these moments where we just want to run it, but we know like we're the team. So if we're going to run it, we have to accept the fact that we're either going to have to do out and back or just be waiting for a long time. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting dynamic that you have to work with because 
you know, nobody, even even those really fast guys that do this thing, probably there are people of different yeah. levels and they'll have to compromise to that because no man behind, you know. Yeah, I know one thing that the guys shared with me that they've learned over the course of these runs is at first they thought, oh, well, this is a team, so we must all be within two metres of each other. Mm. And they've learned that that's just not possible. Sometimes yeah. on these big long hills or whatever, you need to spread out. The important thing is you start together and you yeah, finish and, and together. Yeah, you know, absolutely. what happens in the middle, as long as, you know, it's safe, to be a little bit apart from each other, mm. you know, you can do that. And so I think that's also, you don't just jump into a team event and on the day try and do it. Having an opportunity to rehearse yeah. it many, many times. Like the smartest thing these guys have done is before they do the 100K Oxfam, they will have done all of the sections together as a team. Yeah. Which is just invaluable training. They're going to know what to expect. Now, obviously, what we did on the Sunday morning, they think they'll actually be getting to late on the Friday night. So it's going to be a completely different dynamic sure. in terms of light. But they've at least done the course before. Right. And they know that the first three stages are very intense from a hill elevation perspective. These three stages we did, once you get down the big downhill in the bush, they're actually pretty boring. Like yeah. They're just kind of walking along paths. And that's what I think they found really mentally struggling is because there was nothing interesting. Yeah. But on the day, after they've already done, like what we were getting to at the 30K mark, that will be their 60K right. by the time they get there. So that'll introduce a, a new dynamic as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Rock on. And then the fifth and final thing I saw on the day was they had to change the plans to keep the group safe. Okay. And so what happened was we got to about the 35K mark. We knew we had another 3Ks or so to go. And it was starting to get hot. And we'd realized that a couple of the guys had ran out of water. Mm. And it was starting to be really, really hard. And we were meant to keep going down this path and finish at a certain spot. And we just called it and went, actually, we're not going to prove anything by heading down that way and technically finishing. Yeah. Let's cut right. Let's break through this area. Let's get to... People, food, yeah. refuel, like let's start the recovery. Yeah. We're not going to prove anything by pushing on this way another 20 minutes and then having to double no. back. All we're going to do is put ourselves under more stress. You know, we weren't in any like mortal danger. Some people had no water, but the rest of us had water. We had fuel in our backpacks and stuff. Yeah, we could like use. you could figure it out, but... It had been six hours at yeah. that point and we just kind of wanted to finish. And so the idea of, you know, doing the proper course and finishing in six, five, six, ten, big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, by adding another another twenty minutes of terrain is not gonna it's not gonna break the uh, make the bank. It's right? not gonna make you any stronger. No. But if you're tired and you're dizzy, it could actually hurt you. Like that increases Absolutely. your risk profile. Yeah, and it's not just injury and you know fatigue. It's you know from that tiredness, you could make silly decisions yes. like take a, a step that could roll you down. A hill yep. or you know just make a, a silly decision that can that can cause you or somebody else to be hurt so you know when you're in that point it's like especially if it's a training run yeah exactly best to just chill out i mean ironically sometimes those and this is a you know piece of advice that i think runners learn pretty quickly those paved running courses with grass on the side can actually be the most dangerous because there's normally a little drop off yeah where you know you're running on the pavement and then your foot hits the edge of the pavement and it's not just like it naturally goes flat onto the grass there's a drop off yeah and that's where you can twist your ankle probably more well, so than a trail there's run. actually a section even like that at park run i saw a few weeks ago mm. dude was running and he stepped a little bit too yeah you know, it's i think right after the first k mark yes he, he stepped and he rolled i've um a couple of months ago now I had scrapes on both elbows and hands because I'd been running under the, by the Werribee River mm. and I just did that I was just running to the left 
trying to sort of, you know, take a straight line through a little wiggly bit, yeah. went an inch too far to the left, uh. and my foot just hit the side. Yeah. Bang, down I went. You know, you feel like an idiot. Yeah. Because you're like, I know how to run. Well, that's it. And but, that's like the first thing you do when you get up. Anybody watching? Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, do I want to cry? Yeah, well, my f- <laughs> yeah, exactly. My first run with WinFit, I think at the end of the, uh, it was like a two-lap run, I fell. Did I, you? It's just because my legs, I think it was a couple weeks after the marathon, I guess. Was that uh, the track? No, no, it was the uh, Sunday long run. Oh, right. And I actually fell, like, on a really flat yeah. thing because yeah. my feet were just a bit tired. I didn't pick them up a little bit long enough, and I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I was like, oh. Who are these people? They will judge me. I know. Yeah. Mark was right behind me, and he was like, you all right? And I was like, well, shut up, man. Mark once fell. We were doing the warm-up loop at the athletics track, and they'd done some works or something and left a whole bunch of sand and rubble and everything. And Mark just put his foot in it and just, it sank in and he fell over. I feel like I remember that. Either I yeah. was there or I heard about it. Yeah, and we had to like bandage him up and everything. Yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. I, yeah. Like Mark has run, what, let's be honest, 50,000 kilometers in his life. On that track alone. Probably on that track. You know, <laughs> yeah. And that was just one step that if he'd gone in either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where, you know, towards the end of that race, we were definitely getting to that point where yeah. fatigue was going to make us do silly things. That's so, it. Yeah. So that was it. That was, um, it was, you know, probably... 12 hours elapsed time hanging out with the guys by the yeah. time you drive there, do the activity, have something to eat, get back to the start line, get back to home. About six hours of, um, of walking. Even though it was a downhill course, it was still like 600 meters of climbing, um, 38 kilometers. It was really good. I'm going to be amazed to see how they go on the 100 kilometers. Like the elevation profile they're going to have after that is going to be massive. Yeah. I think they're hoping to go sub 20 hours. Okay. Um, optimistically i think somewhere around the 18 mm-hmm. would be good um but yeah from the the you know the, the the day out i had with them the 35 kilometers of linda de croydon the, the lessons i took were number one in a team be generous to each other it is different to doing an event by yourself two if things go wrong have a backup plan three if things go wrong again accept it and move on four compromise to help each other but then compromise on compromise if it isn't working and five, change the plans to keep the group safe. Yep. So those were my five quick lessons from an Oxfam training run with Daryl, Simon, Anthula, and Omar. Best of luck, guys, to you on the actual day. Brilliant. And we will have a link to their charity in the show notes for this episode. And uh, yeah, from me as well, good luck. And I can't wait to see how you all go. So that's it for this week for this mini episode of Breaking the Barrier the podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. I'm Zach. And I'm Andrew. And we will catch you next time.